Hi, I'm Kashana Armstrong, and this is My Fantasy Funeral. Imagine you are dead, but you get to design your own funeral. What songs will be played? Who will deliver your eulogy? And where will your remains rest forevermore? This is the scenario presented to my guest today. I'm Ryan Briegel, and you're listening to my fantasy funeral. My guest today is a musician who found her voice as a child in South Carolina singing in the church choir. Watching her father play guitar for a gospel quartet and singing hymns beside her mother may be where she first realized the strength of a song, the magic of a melody. Her life as a songwriter began years later in Georgia, where as a music therapist, she would help a variety of patients reach non-musical goals by writing songs with them. Her motto was, take them higher, leave them better. She eventually left these therapeutic co-writing sessions behind and began writing songs for herself, balancing the push of social change and the madness of current events with the soothing sound of her powerful and passionate voice. She is a master collaborator, writing most of her last album, The Ride, with songwriter Jen Bostic, and lending her voice to recent albums by Jasmine Cassett and Phosphorescent. Now in Nashville, since 2014, she aims to inspire through her work with young girls in teen rock camps, performing for inmates in local prisons, and impacting the lives of the people she meets each night on her tireless tours of the U.S. and the U.K., So although my guest left the world of music therapy some years ago, the healing has never really ended. She is Kashana Armstrong. Before we speak with Kashana, let's hear a song from her latest album, The Ride. This is Exorcist. Every creak on the floor, every knock at the door makes my heart skip a beat. Baby, I swear for a moment you're there and on the walls I see your shadow creep. When the wind starts to blow, there's a chill from the cold And I can almost feel your touch You never had the time to give me But now your memory's giving me too much Why are you haunting me? Whether I'm awake or fast asleep What do you want from me? Hello, Kashana. Welcome to my fantasy funeral. Thank you for having me. Today we are going to kill you off and take a look at the funeral you would plan for yourself. But I wanted to begin by asking you about something that I think happened to you fairly recently. You had a near-death experience, I understand. Yeah, I tend to either go dramatic or or really hold things off. (laughs) But yes, uh, last August, it's coming a couple of years ago, I was touring all over the place and I was in Atlanta to see some shows and was having a hard time breathing and basically I was walking around I knew I had anemia but I was walking around with like a hemoglobin level of two and you should have 12 Mm -hmm. and um I kept thinking it's okay I'll push past I'll push past but uh when I got to the hospital the doctors were like you should either be in ICU or dead that is not we don't understand how you're walking around right now 
And it was kind of a wake up call to me of like, man, I will push myself to near death to show up for the music and for people. But when it comes to showing up for myself, I don't. So I had to have a pretty heavy surgery. It got scary. I was in the hospital for, you know, a while, had a lot of blood transfusions. So I'm like a whole new fresh person. I got fresh blood, you know, (laughs) and uh, I'm still working on the mental healing from that of just when you drive yourself so far to the end, you know, that you don't even you ignore your all the signs. and You ignore the voice that's saying, hey, sit down, go get out. (laughs) And so this has changed how you operate. Totally. Yeah, it has. I'm I'm honestly I take more time for myself now. I try to listen to my body if something feels a little off or if I'm tired. I try to be a little bit more gentle with myself. And honestly, I feel like it's, if anything, I'm just trying to be present with people more. Um, I was always, you know, on the go. So I try to sit with people and really take advantage of the time that I have with others because tomorrow is never promised. It's very true. Mm -hmm. Thank you for taking time to do this. Yeah. We are going to hear the five songs that you have chosen to be played during your funeral. Tell me about the first song that you've chosen. The first song I've chosen is Oh, Had I a Golden Thread. And it's a version by Eva Cassidy. I found her voice on the soundtrack of uh, Love Actually. And I was sitting in the movie theater in New York City when I lived up there for the shortest amount of time, weeping because this woman's voice was just amazing. And I just found her entire catalog. And whenever I need to feel, period, if I just need to feel, I find Eva Cassidy. And this song, the the lyrics are like, had I a golden thread, I would weave a magic spell, you know, and it's all about bringing love and unity. And that's what I hope to do. You know, I hope I leave this earth having woven a huge quilt of some sort with the music that I've made and the people I've met. Oh, had I a golden thread and a needle so Eva Cassidy and Oh, Had I a Golden Thread from the Songbird collection released after her death in 1996. Kashana, what are your thoughts on posthumous fame when the artist like Eva Cassidy dies before they really know how much their music was cherished? Man, if anything, I think it's just shows the power of music and how that is something that can live on past you. And it gives me honestly like comfort to know even if like right now while I'm on this earth nobody might hear this message and the messages I'm putting out there when I'm gone who knows 20 years from now someone may you know I feel like we're on this we're left on this earth to like drop pebbles you know and little breadcrumbs for people to find and if the music is the way that it happens that's awesome it gives me hope you grew up in South Carolina what city was this born in Columbia grew up in Irmo South Carolina 
not a very big no city. no suburbs you know as as i got older the town grew now it's the shopping hub of columbia uh-huh. um but there was nothing much i used to play in the woods you know um play hide and seek in the woods and um we used to run around our neighborhood we would slide down the hills whenever it snowed quote unquote snowed <laughs> if it iced over we would go get pots and pans and slide down the hill uh-huh. you know but um there wasn't much to do in high school we would hang out in the parking lot at walmart or walk around walmart judging people on their midnight purchases we would sit in the parking lots at, at rushes uh which is a restaurant chain and just sit on our trunks of our cars and hang out you know and a lot of your childhood was centered around faith and the church is that yeah, right yeah yeah we were in church all the time uh my grandpa was a was a pastor and uh my other grandfather ht he sang in gospel quartets um as well and he used to play guitar and put around but he was always singing and i felt like church was just where you went on a sunday and if we weren't in church it was like somebody's sick (laughs) you know you've said before that your family was one of the few african-american families in the city do you think that shaped you as a child or was it something you didn't even really notice until you got older and, and reflected back? I've learned a lot about Irmo in my adult age. And that apparently Irmo used to be an all-black town. And then, you know, people came in and took over the land, pushed our, pushed the black folks out. Mm. So where I grew up, there were a lot of black folks, but we might not have all gone to the same school. I was always one of the few of black kids in the class um, sleepovers were always, I was always the only, only little black girl in the sleepovers, you know, but that shaped me musically because even my black friends that I had, we were all still the only ones in our classes. So I had one friend, Christina, we're still friends today. Christina was in a heavy metal. Um, so black girl that was in a heavy metal. And then my other friend, Demetra, we left 311 and we, so we used to drive around screaming, no doubt 311. And I don't know, I just listened to all kinds of stuff. It definitely shaped my musical palette. <laughs> when you were in elementary school in band class, you fought against having to play the clarinet because it was a more popular instrument. Everybody was playing it, and yeah. you really wanted to play the oboe. Yeah. What do you think that said about you as a child? He was like, I don't want to do what everyone else is doing. You don't give me the easy thing. I wanted the hard instrument. I wanted a challenge. I wanted to stand out, and I kind of wanted to conquer the thing that the teacher was saying was a hard instrument mm, to learn. Mm. I was like, I'll show you. <laughs> and you did. I did, yeah. Oboe got me all the way through college. And it was one of those instruments where uh, I think it took so much discipline and breath control. And there's not many in an orchestra or in a band. There's always one or two. The oboe to me is just a very, it's a different kind of sound. It almost has this, uh, I don't know, I used to think of the oboe as a voice, you know, um, when you're starting out, it sounds a little like it's a dead duck dying, you know, or something. But um, I find the oboe, especially or the English horn, which is in that family, just as a, a soothing, warm, mournful kind of sound. And I love I love the fact that I can make this small little instrument cry and pierce through an entire orchestra. Your second song choice is by a woman who knew something about standing out. Mm. Tell me about this song. Man, I shall be released. I found the Nina Simone version, but when I first heard the song, it was introduced to me by um, some of my patients when I was working in Atlanta. I was working with the forensics patients. We had a band called the Mellotones, 
but um, but um, these guys, we would teach them how to play instruments and that we would work on their social skills, but they, they really wanted to do this song, I Shall Be Released. And I think I heard it first from a, a patient who was incarcerated. Mm-hmm. And so the words meant something else to me. You know, that's the first vo- voice that I ever heard. So it made me go out and really listen. But Nina brings a sort of joy to the song. I've always heard it as like a sad song. But um, Nina's version has this sort of like triumphant joy. Like, oh, I will be released. You know, I see my light come shining. You know, hers has an uplifting vibe to it. They say everything can be replaced. They say every distance is not near. Nina Simone and I Shall Be Released from her album To Love Somebody. Kashana, your first glimpse into the world of music therapy actually happened when you were still in high school, I believe. Mm -hmm. You spent a day shadowing a music therapist in a South Carolina hospital. Do you remember what you saw that day? I I just remember babies, pink, and joy. (laughs) You know, I just remember the feeling rather than what I saw. I was in awe of the fact that I could walk into a room with a guitar or just my voice and a shaker and 10 to 15 minutes even was enough to um, change a baby's heart rate or to put a smile on a child's face. And that to me was just like, it doesn't take a lot, just a little. And I'm giving the littlest bit of myself of just like my voice I don't know. I think I, that got hooked at them on that moment of I can do psychology and music. What? Yes. <laughs> Sign me up. And so then you went to um, the University of Georgia, mm-hmm. moved to Georgia and I guess majored in psychology, majored in music therapy. Okay. Yeah. Back then there weren't that many music therapy programs. So University of Georgia was one of the main ones in the South. You could go to get um, especially trained in behavioral music therapy. Mm. Um, we had to know a lot of anatomy, a lot of biology. Uh, and a lot of psychology hmm. and the music part was that was the easiest part of it all I think you did it for about 12 years music <laughs> therapy I'm sure you had all sorts of patients can mm-hmm. you tell me generally who those people were yeah honestly I always found myself a mental health somehow all forms of mental health also nursing homes on the geriatric or um, memory care units people that are um, dealing with Alzheimer's or dementia also a lot of the youth detention centers a lot of adult detention centers and my last job before I had to like throw in the towel was working with at-risk youth in Athens Georgia 
And it's amazing how much communication happens with instruments in hand that people don't realize you can transfer to everyday life, you know? So, um, it was always fun, especially the kids. The kids were a lot of fun. The kids were the hardest to be honest, because you want to take them all home Mm. (laughs) and just love on them. But, uh, you can't. <laughs> no, you cannot. You cannot. <laughs> a lot of your work with these patients was helping them write songs. Yeah. How was that received initially for people who probably had never written a poem, definitely mm-hmm. never a song? How, how did they take that? Man, even today when I teach songwriting classes, um, it's the same response. I'm not musical. I've never written a song before. I had to tell my patients in the beginning, don't think of it as a song per se, but this is a mantra something you can take with yourself. What's a melody? Let's find an easy melody and a mantra you can remember and you can sing to yourself or even to one another on the unit when you see someone is going through or you're going through a hard time. I always wanted to leave people with something accessible, you know? So even if someone was like, I'm not musical, like, cool, write down a line and I would turn it into a song for Mm. them, you know? I understand the fear. I feel like that's just fear. I understand the fear of I can't write. But there's so much joy when you show someone like your words are now put to melody and we just sang it. So you wrote a song. (laughs) That is a lot of power, I would imagine. Let's hear your third song. Why did you choose this? This is Love Supposed to Be That Way by Leon and Mary Russell. I talk in big terms sometimes. I talk in big terms, but in the end, all we need is love. You know, if we can just remember to love one another. And with this song, it just, there's this joy to it, this uh, carefreeness, but also in the, that's the choruses feel very carefree and just like, you know, love's supposed to be that way. But then the verses are like, I'm telling you a story though, because it's serious as well. Love is also this serious heart kind of thing. But then the choruses open back up into this beautiful chorus of like, love's supposed to be that way. Which I guess now that I'm thinking about it, love is hard. Yeah, easy, right? Oh, go down and write a song this morning. Oh, in my own way. You said we had to go. And I'll sing a song to you, sweet dog. Oh, I won't say. You said we had to go. My love, no, my very Leon Russell and Mary Russell with Love Supposed to Be That Way from their cleverly titled record, Wedding Album. (laughs) Kashana, you tell an amazing story about playing a show with songwriter Jen Bostic, who lives in Nashville. And at the time, you were pretty sure you were going to leave Georgia and you had a list of cities as options. Nashville was not that high on that list, I don't believe. But something happened to you while you were watching Jen perform. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me about what happened? Yeah, um, I'm sitting in this coffee shop. I just opened for this this young lady. She was wearing a dress with some chucks on. I was like, I like her style. And as she was singing, I heard this voice on my right side that said, go. 
And it was one of those where I looked over my shoulder. I was like, who was there? Nobody said anything. And that voice just like, it was like an echo in my head. Just go, go, go. And I had to drive back to Athens that night after the gig. I hugged Jen and I was like, it was great to meet you, you know. And I was baffled still by this message. And I just kept that in my head. Like, what did that mean, go? And it stuck with me. I was on the road a lot that year. And no joke, I think I played with her in April. And every gig I played, be it South Dakota, New York, or if I was in Wisconsin, if I was on a flight, standing in line somewhere, I was always beside someone from Nashville. And I just kept meeting people from Nashville everywhere I went. And um, I think I met, I opened for Margot Price when she had her band Buffalo Clover. Um, I was, we were playing, she was playing a gig in, in Athens. I opened for her and I was like, this, this lady's really cool. Where do you live? Oh, I live in Nashville. What? It was just, (laughs) so it was just, okay, I see you. Okay. Let me give it a shot. So I thought a year to max and, um, I made that move, came here and, you know, I waited a whole year before I called Jen and no joke. She's been my like number one songwriting partner and honestly, like great friend. I'm grateful that I moved here and that I heard the word go when I met this woman. Um, you titled an album go was that from that yeah from that whole experience then it was just like a whole a series of things the first song that comes on on that record which is called can you feel it i was recording that album when i first moved to nashville so i was going back and forth to athens a lot and within the first month of me living in nashville i woke up for four mornings in a row with this melody in my head it was the song the first song can you feel it which is always dedicated to people who have a passion like you have a passion go for it you know and i felt like that was the song that was like, this is your anthem for this moment and this chapter in your life. You know, you felt it, you heard it, you felt it, you followed it. Here's this song to spread. <laughs> your brother, Kelvin, is a musician here in Nashville. He did, is. Did he follow you here? Did you convince you know, him to also move? <laughs> he actually was like, I hope you don't think I'm following you to Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> well. You know, but yeah, my brother Calvin lives here now. He's been here, I guess, three years. I was on tour with Jen Bostick and Sarah Darling uh, in 2016. And I came back to my brother just like, hey, so I had a job interview. And now I moved in in your music room. So <laughs> and he moved his entire family, wife and kids and everybody here a year later. Okay. Yeah, he moved here for a job and was hoping because he is a phenomenal songwriter and I know that he was coming here like okay this would be another great way an outlet I can do both things and it's honestly he's found great people to work with Kelvin released a single called Purpose uh, this past year with a a friend of mine that I I had met as well um, and introduced him to and and it's amazing I'm very happy that he's moved here because I feel like Nashville is a place for him to truly grow musically as well it's very nice what is the fourth song you've chosen, Kashana? The fourth song is called Walking in the Sun by Rufus and Shaka Khan. The first version I heard of the song was by Fink. I found Fink because of a friend of mine named Amy who had passed away when I was like 20. And I heard the version of Walking in the Sun on his album. And I kind of love the journey of the storytelling. I actually modeled a lot of my songwriting and like chord structures after his songs, after his music. And then... I feel like recently I found this Shaka Khan version and was just like, oh, this is the true feeling of this song. I love when I find songs because of someone else. You know, I found one version and then I find the original. Yeah. Like, oh, that's that's the feeling. It's I feel like it's just my story. (laughs) 
you know, things have been going wrong long enough to know everything is right. You know, most of my life has been just, man, if, if the road goes this way, I guess I'm going left, you know, um, or if I meet this person, okay, let's go and see what this opportunity of this person brings. But, um, the course of the song is like, even a blind man can tell when he's walking in the sun. And even though I might not know where this road is going, I'm just following the light. And I, as long as I feel good in that light, then I know I'm on the right path. And a lot of times I'm like, oop, that doesn't feel too good. <laughs> but I get pulled right back in, you know. And I think as far as this being played at my funeral, I just feel like this is this is my, like, what I feel I've always walked in is the uneasy but the good, you know. This this song is just the the balance of that, the things I don't feel good. But then there's joy in that. What doesn't feel good, you know that you're still walking in the light, even if you're blind to what's going on around you. Things have been going wrong long enough to know everything is right. Been walking in the dark long enough to know I finally seen the light. Been losing long enough to know when I find. And even a blind man can tell when he's walking in the sun. I've cried enough tears to know this feeling called a smile. I've been bottom Rufus and Shaka Khan with Walking in the Sun from the album Rags to Rufus. Kashana, a few past guests have spoken about Nashville musician Jesse Zazu, mm-hmm. who was in the band Those Darlings and died in 2017 after a long battle with cancer. You met Jesse through the She's a Rebel Benefit shows. You played a few years, and especially the third year, I believe it was her last performance. What song did you sing? for that year yes I played a song called The First Cut is the Deepest was this your choice um, to sing that song or did the organizers think oh this will fit great with your voice do you remember you know I don't recall they give you a list but I feel like I grabbed at that one because I love that song mm-hmm. um, as I tend to find songs I always find the cover version of it <laughs> I think I heard the Cheryl Crow version mm-hmm. and it was just like oh yes and then I was like, oh, again, here's a song that's been around for years. (laughs) You also sang with a number of Jesse's friends at her memorial. Mm -hmm. Had you ever had the privilege of doing something like that before? You know, I had um, a friend of mine, Amy, that passed away when I was in my early 20s. It was nowhere near as much of a um, collaboration as Jesse's was. Jesse's was, her memorial was amazing. And Amy's was special in the way that it was like her tight friends. It was just a guitar and our voices and a piano, you know, where 
Jesse got the drums and <laughs> the full band, full band you know what I mean? <laughs> but, um, that had to be so special for both of your friends um, yeah. to be able to sing. You know, I've been like, it's a hard thing, but I've, I've sung even for Amy when she, she was in hospice right at the end. And, you know, we took a guitar in the room and I've done this for patients as well. And, and palliative care, end of life, when you come in and you're playing songs for them that mean something like what are special songs? What are songs that are a memory for their family members? And at that point, are you really playing for them? Or are you playing for the family? Right. Who are you bringing comfort to? Mm-hmm. And I think of the same I think of it the same way as playing it, you know, as with Jesse's memorial service and with Amy's. These songs are something that their families have or like we all have a connection with. And I feel like song, like song music is the biggest expression of love. You know, we might not have the words for it, but there's something about opening your mouth and just singing and like putting your hands to work to create these melodies, to just honor the lives of those that are gone. And I tell you, it is. Jesse's was special because we we even sang Larissa Maestro and I sang a song of Jesse's that no one had heard before and to know that we were her voice at that moment and this was like everyone in the room's opportunity to hear some of Jesse's last work it's something that is hard to do and I you know I it's always an um honor is a weird word as well but I take special care whenever someone asks me to come and be a part of a service and if I can bring any kind of like comfort to a family or to a room of people, then let me figure out how to do it, you know. Before we hear your final song choice, have you thought about the person you would choose to deliver your eulogy? Mm-hmm. I want Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I will say Oprah is always there for all of the poignant moments. You know, I feel like she brings in joy. She also can handle the serious Oprah can cry with you. Oprah can tell you about yourself if she needs to let you know, you know. And I feel like that's the kind of person I am. And, and so I just want her her voice to read my life story. <laughs> Call that conceited, if you will. But <laughs> It's your funeral. It's my funeral. <laughs> She's known for her amazing speeches. Yes. Everyone wanted her to run for president. Exactly. Recently, after speaking. Exactly. And I want, I want people to leave... My memorial feeling like that's right I can go and change the world or change one life or one person's mood even if it is for only for a minute that's right Oprah you know <laughs> so I want people going leaving like you can spread joy you can spread joy you can spread joy <laughs> is, there, is there any quote that you like that you would like to hear uh, come from her mouth um, it's this quote by Robert Louis Stevenson that says um, don't judge each day by the harvest you reap but by the seeds that you plant very nice. Mm-hmm. Kashana, what have you chosen for your final song? Mm. This is Satellite Call um, by Sarah Bareilles. And this is the song that I feel like I am in the womb when I listen to it with headphones on. There's something sonically about it that is so comforting, but also like primal. <laughs> and the message in this song is just like, this is me sending out my satellite call. Like, it, when, if you know, if you find yourself in the deadest of the night, like in the darkest moments, I'm here calling out to you. And creepy as it may sound, I want people to think that about me. <laughs> I'll always want to be a voice for you or just an ear to listen. So. You may find yourself in the dead. 
Sarah Bareilles and Satellite Call from her album The Blessed Unrest, Kashana Armstrong's final fantasy song choice. Kashana, have you thought about what you would like to happen to your body after you die? Yes. I would like to be cremated. And I want to give my ashes to my nieces and my nephew. And my brother as well. And his wife. But um, just to my family. And for them to take a trip. I've been lucky that music has taken me to so many places around the world. And it's always been like this sadness but like a dream of mine to be able to take my family to these places and so what better way than to give them the trip that I have like the places that I've seen and like here go sprinkle my ashes here and here and here and to give them this trip um you know as a family but also just kind of like a way of saying goodbye and may I rest forever in these beautiful lands (laughs) What are some of these beautiful lands you would like them to go to? I was just in Arizona, and I took, I think it was Highway 87 through Sedona, and that was a sight. I think it took me two hours longer because I kept pulling over <laughs> to look at, just to, look at this plant. Look at that mountain. <laughs> so I was just like, I felt like Ariel, you know. <laughs> just, what is this land? But um, I would want them to, to go there. There was this... Um, mountain kind of at the top of the city in Zurich and it was so special to stand in one place the top of a city staring at the Alps and then hearing languages from all over the world you know around you and just be like I am but a tiny little bit of someone trying to experience this beauty in this world and we're all here for the same thing this view you know and also you know anywhere in the UK because I've always wanted a British husband if I don't have one by then maybe if I'll find one of the other world if they leave my ashes there. And then Clearwater, Florida <laughs> is like one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> but <laughs> Clearwater, Florida is just special because one of my best friends from college lives down there. And my family, we always, we try to take a vacation down there as often as possible. And so it's just, if they were going to do this whole worldwide trip of dropping off auntie's ashes places let's all go back to what we know let's go to the beach in Clearwater and just have some family time and a cookout you know that sounds very nice yeah (laughs) this has been lovely Kashana Armstrong thank you for taking us through your fantasy funeral we close today with another song from Kashana's album The Ride this is Lonely
My Fantasy Funeral is brought to you by We Own This Town. Full versions of the songs chosen today can be heard on our Spotify playlist. Find out more at myfantasyfuneral.show. I'm Ryan Briegel. Thank you for listening. Take the pain.